just come the feather of the Lord fall in this place, man. You know, so come on, let's just close our eyes right now. And if you got to lift your hands up, Alice, let's just do this one more time. But I want you guys to close your eyes, lift your hands up, and just, and just picture God. And as we begin to say, oh, oh, just picture him here in our praise. Just picture your praise ascending up to heaven. And just fill it with moan on the God. And him being so stirred up in heaven that he's, he's concerned about what's going on here. Can, we, can you believe that with us this morning? So we're going to do this one more time. And when we get into that high praise, keep your eyes closed. Because I believe God is going to fall in this place. If you want Him to fall in this place, then He will. If you really want Him, if you really want to seek Him, if you're really mad at Him, then you need to grab it. You need to take it. So Alice, let's just do that one more time. And let's do
Lord, over every situation, over everything that's keeping you down. God lifting those burdens, so you're all on the ground. Hey, when you begin to soar, hallelujah, God is saying that He wants us to soar. Oh, wings like eagles, oh, wings like eagles, wings like eagles.
Alice said, undo yourself. <laughs> wow. Please, God. Undo yourself.
don't understand what you're doing right now, man. You know, you're in the Bronx, and see, what we're doing here is just not, it's just not stuck to this building. Your praise is resounding throughout this community, throughout this city, throughout this nation. God, He is your praises right now. So if you could stir Him up where He sits in His bowl to the point where He can come down and dwell with us, then you know your praise is that powerful. So, You can shout, you can, uh, you can, 
I mean, you can run, you can prostrate yourself, you can bow. But one of the ways that I love, one of the mo- that I love the most, is that you can dance before the Lord, man. You know, there's something about when someone just loses themselves and begins to dance. You know, because then is where you involve your entire body. That's when you in- involve your entire being. And we have a special for you guys this morning. Uh, Sister Elsie wanted to bless us with a dance, so. Uh, Yes, I just caught her off guard, but uh, <laughs> but uh, she's gonna bless us with a dance, and uh, we're gonna continue to move forward. Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! So just give her a couple seconds to get ready. Don't worry, we take your time, but but just you know, hurry. <laughs> All right, can we move? Can, we, can someone help me move this here? Yeah, this put on the floor. So you don't need the bag, right? All right.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody stand up and say, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. I just love dance. I actually started out part of my ministry doing prophetic dance. And so I have a great respect for dancers because in many churches and many places, the dance is not received. You can do about anything else, but you can't dance. And we all need to dance. How many of you know God dances? It says in Zephaniah that he jumps up and spins around wildly whenever someone comes in. Hallelujah. So if God dances, I can dance. Hallelujah. Because we are imitators of him. But it's going to be a wonderful day today. And we just we know more people are coming in the afternoon session. And we have a special treat for you in the afternoon session. Uh, we're going to have Kathy come up and dance for you. But I just want her to see how beautiful she is. Come up here real quick and let's let him see you. So you don't want to miss the afternoon session because I want you to see. She's dressed up like a queen. And she's just going to. What dance are you going to be doing this afternoon? Oh, Yeshua. To Yeshua. All right. Praise God. So don't miss that. Hallelujah. Because she's also an accomplished dancer. And it will be beautiful also what God is going to do. But today we're going to get right to business, and we're going to bring up Miss Melva, and I don't have to give her a long spiel because we're not into titles and all that, but just let me tell you, she's well qualified for what she does, and she's going to come and speak to you, and as she speaks, revelation knowledge is going to begin to hit you, and things that were hidden and hit things that were in darkness are going to pop open to you, and you're going to get a new view of Israel, of the Jewish people, of our country, of lots of different things. So just get your seatbelts on and get ready and make sure that you don't make this incomplete. Don't just come for part of the program. Come back this afternoon after lunch because, you know, if you're just partially informed, you might not receive something that is very important to your life and to your walk with God. So she's going to be teaching in the morning and then right after lunch, and then we are just going to have a Holy Ghost rock out. And we're just going to let Jesus move, and we're going to lay hands on you, prophesy over you, and just let the Spirit of the Lord do whatever He wants to. Hallelujah. So give me a hand in, in welcoming Miss Melva Lee Beecham. Don't you love Deborah? There's only one. There's only one. Okay, this morning I've brought some things for you. Uh, These are for Zion's sake. They are from Israel. They're from a ministry that I worked with and lived when I lived in Jerusalem. Christian Friends of Israel. This is their uh, magazine. So there are all kinds of testimonies in here. There are great uh, teachings on Israel, uh, biblical teachings, um, it's, it's very good. You're going to enjoy this, okay? And you'll get to know some of the work that goes on in Israel and how the Jewish people are being touched and their lives are being changed and how 
one by one, then they begin to come to the Lord. Yay. Yeah. So you'll enjoy that. Also, we have a table back here, a resource table. This is the first time I've ever brought product anywhere because I've, ne- I've just never had any to do anything with. But I have a few little CDs here, and I want to tell you about them because I can't teach everything today. <laughs> hours and hours of stuff. But there is a CD back there that is about why we as Christians should even think about Israel and why we should pray for them. Okay? So that's one of them. The other one is about the Middle East and what's going on right now. The lids coming off of everything. And what is that about? And is it in the scripture? Where is all of this found? And the third one has to do with Passover and the Feast of Passover and understanding the implications of, well, what's that about and what does that mean for us? Isn't that a Jewish deal? No. God said, I have appointed times that I want to meet with my people. Well, I'm one of his people. And when we begin to understand his divine times, when he meets with his people and we get into his calendar, into his order, then everything comes alive to us and we get in sync with what the Spirit of God is saying every year. And each one of the feasts is revealed and fulfilled in Jesus. And so we come to love him in a new way. But Passover in particular is so important because the Passover Seder, which we call the Lord's Supper, it's not just a, oh, let's do this ritual in remembrance of Jesus. No. Actually, what it was was his marriage proposal to us. Okay. So that little CD's back there, too. They're only $5 a piece. Now then, I've written a book, and you all, I am so grateful for this. This is called The Lord's Prayer for Young People. And back many years ago, when my children were small, and we were learning to pray, the Lord was teaching us the foundational prayer, the Lord's Prayer, line upon line. Of it, And each line of it is just full of all kinds of revelation. Well, there wasn't anything for children. So at that point, I wrote a 16-week curriculum. We used it in our church. We used it in our network of churches. We used it in our Christian schools. So then it went out of print. Now then, I've got grandkids. And my children came to me and said, Mama, what are we going to teach our kids? And I went, okay, I got it. So... I went back, I rewrote the whole thing. It's eight weeks. And you say, well, why can't and you just hand me a little book and we just do it. No, 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 no. This is not something for your mind. I'm going to read it. No, I got it. No. This builds into you the discipline of every day you get up and seek God. How are you going to get to know Him? It's not a one-time hit where, oh, I got it. Okay, I have a relationship with God. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Oh, one time I got married. Oh, well, that's it. That's all there is to it. No. Wrong. It's a, it's a day-by-day-by-day relationship with a living person, okay? So, in this, there is a doctrinal lesson, five days a week, 
for eight weeks, okay, a doctrinal lesson built on each line of the Lord's Prayer. Then immediately following that, there's a question and answer. Then immediately following that, there's a scripture search where you get your Bible, you look up the scriptures, you fill in the blanks because you're, you're learning here. You're growing in this thing. Then after that, there's the prayer time. And it's the stop, look, and listen. Because during that, you're going to stop, okay? What did you just read? What have you just studied? Okay? Look. Is the Lord showing you anything? Listen. Is he saying anything to you? Because the whole principle of this is not to teach you some rote prayer, but it is to bring you into a living relationship with a God who talks. And you have to discern, how does he talk to you? Because the way he speaks to you may not be the way he speaks to the guy next to you. You know? Deborah might walk in and say, Oh, well the Lord said to me this morning, and it will be, you know, a paragraph, just direct. And he won't have said a word to me about anything that morning, but I may have seen something. You see, he speaks to us in different ways. And we have to learn to discern how is he speaking to me. See, so we're alert to him. However he wants to speak to us today. So, that's what this is. And I suggest that you all get this for your children, for your grandchildren, for your teenagers, for yourself. Okay? It's foundational. It will transform your life. I've been doing it now for, lo, these many years. <laughs> we won't put a number to that, but lo, these many years. Okay. All right. You all, this is, this is wonderful to be with you today. I love opportunities to just stand and open the Word and bring revelation by the Holy Spirit of what the Holy Spirit is saying today to the church saying today to us God loves us so much he doesn't want us to be ignorant Jesus did not die God did not send his son to die so we could stay ignorant so that we would just it would all be a mystery we don't know the answer to and we just fuddle around down here in our blindness and dumbness and ignorance no 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 it's not supposed to remain hidden We are supposed to search Him out and discover the answers and the truth. And it is all written. It's here. It's right here. If we will begin to search Him out and discover. And the wise man, the proverb says, is the one who searches Him out and searches out the answers. So thank you all for being here today. Now, did you bring your Bibles? Well, that's a good thing. Because any time I show up, we're going to do a Bible romp <laughs> from, one, from one passage to another. Okay, let's get these uh, maps up on the, uh, let's get this first one up here. And could we get this microphone moved out of the way? It's kind of right in the middle of the map. We won't move the trap set. We'll leave it right where it is. Thank you much. Okay. I want you all to see what we're talking about these days. Uh, I tell you what, let's come back to this one. Go to one of them that has Turkey on the map. Uh, Okay, 
That's, that's not it. Go to the next one. Voila. Excellent. Okay. Now then, this is a picture of the Middle East going all the way over to Afghanistan and Pakistan. Can you all see that? I'm going to put on my glasses so I can see it better. Thank you much. All right. There we go. Hello. There are words on that map now. Okay. Um, the reason I wanted to show you this one is because Turkey in particular is a major player that is coming into focus now. And I'm going to talk more about that at the end of this session. But there's Turkey sitting up there at the top. That little pink thing down there below Turkey, below Syria, that's Israel. It's tiny. It's the size of New Jersey. Okay? And then you see all of these nations surrounding. Now, these are the nations that recently the lid is blowing off of them. And we have been taught by the media that it is what's happening in, in the Middle Eastern nations right now is because of the, the desire of these nations for democracy. That's right. That's the, the no button, okay? Wrong answer. It's not for democracy. Yes, the heart of individuals, every individual wants to be free. Every individual longs for freedom. But that is not the agenda of the demonic powers that control nations, nor it is the agenda of the, most of the leaders of these nations. Nor is it the agenda of Islam that is over all of these nations. Now, when we talk about democracy, we mean one thing in the West. When they talk about democracy in Islam... They're not talking about what we're talking about. Muslims, when they talk about we want democracy, they mean we don't want to be smothered by Islam. We want to be able to make choices. But we don't want the democracy of the West. We still want Sharia law. All right? So we're talking about two different worlds here, all together, two different worldviews. But what's going on within each of these nations and rising to the top in each of these nations is the radical element. All right? That's what's going on in each one of these is the radical element that is uh, wanting to pursue Sharia law that dictates every iota of somebody's life where women are only chattel have absolutely no rights. You have no value unless you have a son. They believe in genital mutilation. That is just the norm across the board. Female genital mutilation. And a man can have four wives legally and then all the concubines on the side he wants to. And then he will die and go to paradise and get 72 virgins. And if you are his wife, you have to get in line behind the 72 virgins so that the most important thing you can do in your whole life is something so altruistic, so selfless, that somehow maybe Allah will let you advance in line in the 72 virgins. So what do you do? The most important thing you could ever do is to give one of your children as a suicide bomber. That's Sharia. 
That's what we're facing. So the lid's coming off the Middle East, but it's written. It's written. This is all happening, and none of it's by surprise. It is all right in here. It's all written in here. These things have to come to pass to create the situation that is being created now where the nations come against Israel, and she's helpless and hopeless, and only Jesus can come and defend her. That's what's happening. So simultaneously to that, our nation is being dismantled. Because we've been the big policeman of the earth, the great protector of Israel, and God is arranging it where we are being taken out of the picture so that Israel can no longer depend on us. And you say, well, why is everything centered around Israel? Because, hello? It is written from beginning to the end in this book. It's all centered around God's covenant with the Jewish people. We just got grafted into that, we who are believers. It's all about his covenant with them. It begins with them. It ends with them. It's all about his word fulfilling his covenant because he is a covenant-keeping God. And instead of us despairing and saying... (laughs) He's prejudiced. He just loves the Jews. He's all about Israel. We should say, thank God he's a covenant-keeping God and and he is fulfilling his covenant to them because in that we can take confidence, we can be confident then that everything he has promised us he will fulfill. If he doesn't fulfill his word to them, then we stand on no foundation at all that he'll ever fulfill anything he ever said to us. Because we came into the picture really late in the timeline. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So today, I want to begin this morning with Genesis 12, verse 3. This is where it all really starts in a big time way. Because God had a friend. Can you imagine the Lord God of the universe... Having a man on this planet who qualified to be his friend. Do you know why he chose Abraham to be his friend? He said, because Abraham believed him and it was counted to him for righteousness. And then he said, and he knew that he would instruct his household after him. Amazing. At any rate... In Genesis 12:3, God gave Abraham a promise. He said, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. That's pretty serious. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families of the earth. All right? Then, in verse 7, he takes it a step further. And he says, to your descendants, I'm going to give this land. Okay. Then over in chapter 15, verse 5, he took Abraham outside and he said, Now then, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to. And he said, this is how many your descendants are going to be. They're going to be innumerable. You're not going to be able to count them. That's what he was saying. 
So many of them. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I'm the Lord. I brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees. That is, I brought you out from among the pagans. Those who didn't even know the living God. Idol worshippers. And I brought you into this land and I'm going to give you this land. To inherit it. Then in verse 18. To your descendants I've given this land. From the river of Egypt, which is the Nile River of Egypt. To the Euphrates River. And then all the way out to the Mediterranean. That was that is the Jews' territory. Now then, I want you to turn to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is really pivotal. Pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. Everybody say pivotal. Everything hangs and hinges on chapter 17. Uh, go ahead and put that map back up there. Uh, do the one uh, just Israel. Okay? I want you to notice something in chapter 17. This covenant is two parts. It doesn't have one thing in the world to do with Israel's obedience or the Jewish, Jewish people's obedience. It has to do with God's word. Okay? But it's two parts to it. First of all, he says, in this covenant, I'm going to be your God. That's the first part of the covenant. You're not going to worship some foreign God out here. Every time you come back to your senses, you're going to know it's me, the living God, the creator of heaven and earth. Okay? I am going to be your God, whether you know it or not. Okay? And the second part is, the land is yours. And they're indivisible. God and the land, they go together for the Jewish people. Anybody who tries to separate either one of those is in trouble with him. Okay, so here it is. Abraham's 99 years old. God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Verse 7, I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. How long is everlasting? It's longer than you and I are going to be here, isn't it? It's everlasting. Now then, as we read this, see if it says anywhere in here, if you obey me, if you're good, if you do just exactly what I tell you to do. Doesn't say one word about that. In fact, God goes on to say how disobedient they're going to be. And when they're disobedient, they'll be thrown out of the land. But, because I have a covenant with you, I will bring you back. I will restore you. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will restore you to the land. Because that's who he is. Thank God our lives don't just depend on us. Oh, blessed be the name. Whew. If the God I worshipped, everything about him only depended on me. Oh, my goodness. Just, well, let's just go ahead and blow my brains out. Yeah. But thank you, Lord Jesus. Our salvation does not depend on me. It depends on you. Ah, your ability. Blessed be the name. Okay, so, verse 7. I'm going to establish my covenant. 
between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. And there are generations now, just like there's sitting Pastor Gary in his generation, which is now our generation, okay? This, this is an everlasting covenant, even into this generation, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I will give to you and your descendants after you, the second part of the covenant, the land in which you're a stranger as an everlasting possession. And then he reiterates, and I will be their God. Okay, this is my covenant. Now then, this is going to be the sign of my covenant, he said in verse 10. Now then, we're coming into a very important little fact here. This is going to be the sign of my covenant. And it's going to be circumcision. All of your male children are going to be circumcised. So in every Jewish child, every male, they are going to bear in their body the sign of the covenant. Which is to always remind them, I am your God and the land is yours. It's not just a health thing. It's a covenant thing. Okay, now here's the little tidbit that nobody's caught. <laughs> God, it's so cool. He is so cool. Okay. He said, verse 19, Sarah, your wife, is going to bear you a son, and you're going to call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And with his descendants after him. But as for Ishmael, remember, Abraham had two sons. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to make him fruitful. I'm going to multiply him. He's going to have 12 princes and they're going to make great nation. But my covenant, I'm establishing with Sarah. The Jewish people. Okay? Now then. Here is the cute, the cool, cool thing that God did. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day as God had said to him. 26, that very same day Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael. Ishmael had 12 sons. Who became the princes of the Arab nations. Then here comes Isaac, and, and Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Esau then had his sons. They became more cousins of the Arab nations. All of them, because they were sons, grandsons, great-grandsons of Abraham. They all had in their body the sign of the covenant God made with Isaac. Every Arab today is so proud that they are circumcised. They're not like the rest of the nations. The Goyim, that's what the Jews call us, the Goyim. But the Gentiles that are not holy. Okay? They're circumcised. They're so proud of that. Guess what? It's the sign in their body of the covenant God made with the Jews. Isn't that just great? When I read this and realized that, I went, my God, you are just, you are so cool. You are just so amazing. I just love it. I love it. 
and that would be enough to for them to blow me up. But um, <laughs> but it's the truth. <laughs> but it's the truth. See, they bear in their bodies the sign of the covenant that God made with the Jews. Awesome, awesome. All right. Now then, God didn't just say this to Abraham. He went on then to reiterate it to Isaac. He wanted to establish it, get it really established in this family line. This wasn't just something I said to granddaddy. This wasn't just something I did to daddy. This is faith in your generation. So he grabs up Isaac, chapter 26, and there's a famine in the land of Canaan where they're living. So Isaac wants to go down to Egypt where everything's flourishing. And God says to him, verse 2, Genesis 26, 2, Don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. You dwell in this land, the land of the covenant. You stay here and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all of these lands and I will perform the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. So see, God is reinstituting the covenant with this generation, with Isaac's generation. It wasn't just the faith of his father, it's got to be his faith. Got it? All right. So that he enters into the covenant himself. The covenant is in place. It's an everlasting covenant. But God wants Isaac actively involved in this thing. Okay? So, verse 4, I'm going to give your descendants all these lands. So, Isaac, listen to him. Verse 6, so he dwelt in Gerar. He stayed where he was. All right? And then that's when Isaac sowed in famine and he reaped a hundredfold. Hallelujah. That's right. Verse 12. All right. Then... His kids, Esau and Jacob. All right? God, remember, chooses Jacob. Through Jacob, the line would go. So it was Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Then, uh, chapter 28, verse 13. And behold, the Lord God stood and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father grandfather okay and the God of Isaac your father the land on which you lie I'm going to give it to you and your descendants so God arrested Jacob and said hey boy you've been called a supplanter all your life that's what Jacob means a trickster I'm going to change your name I'm changing your name from Jacob to Israel and I am establishing, reestablishing this covenant with you. I'm pulling you up by the scruff of your neck, looking you right in your eyeballs, and saying, it's not about your daddy, it's not about your granddaddy, it's about you. This is a covenant for you and your descendants. He's saying, let's get this thing established in this family line. Got it? So that for generations... Your kids will always remember, I am your God, and the land is yours. So then, Israel, Jacob, Israel, 
He has 12 kids. And Joseph, remember, he got carried off into slavery and yada yada ends up in Egypt and the Redeemer. His brothers come down. They're all starving. They come to him. And here is Joseph and he's got it. He understands. Because look at the end of Genesis. Go to the very end of Genesis, chapter 40, what? 9, 50, 50. Genesis 50. Joseph's dying. What are his last words? He gives a commandment to his brethren, brethren in verse 24. I'm dying, but God will surely visit you. And he's going to bring you out of this land. They were down in Egypt at that time. He's going to bring you out of this land and to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. To your granddaddy, to your, uh, to your, your, to your great-granddaddy, to your granddaddy, and to your daddy. Okay? Yeah, three generations. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take you out of this land. So Joseph believed those words. And he's telling his brothers, okay, so whenever I'm gone and I'm not reinforcing this in your minds, he said, I want you to do something. I'm going to, you swear to me, I'm taking an oath from you, that when I die and you leave this land, and it was going to be 400 years later, because they were going to be in Egypt in slavery for 400 years, remember? Until Moses arose, got it? And the Lord took them back to Israel. Okay, whenever God visits you and delivers you out of this land, you be sure to take my bones with you. Don't you dare leave me here in this God-forsaken place. I'm a child of the covenant and I want to go home. Okay? So you carry my bones out of here whenever you go. So they did. They did. All right. So then turn with me over to Ezekiel. Are you having fun yet? Are you following? Are you understanding? Okay, very good. If at any point you're not catching something, raise your hand. Because I want you to understand. Alright? So we're going to Ezekiel. And we're going to Ezekiel 36. Verse 24. Now then, people today say, well, that was all well and good back then. But the Jews sinned so badly, God dispersed them. Uh, In came Assyria and carried off the northern kingdoms and then uh, the northern tribes of Israel. And then in came Babylon and carried off Judah. And they were dispersed all over everywhere. And and then God restored some of them to the land. And But, you know, they were disobedient. And, and then... Above all, they crucified Jesus. So it's over. It's all about the church now. It's not about the Jews anymore. Because they blew it. When, when God showed up by sending His Son, and the Jews rejected Him, it's all over. The covenant's over. Excuse me? What was the covenant? How long was this thing? Everlasting. I didn't write it. I didn't say it was everlasting. Did you? Who did? Hello? 
So if he says it's everlasting, if he lied about that, then what makes you think your salvation is everlasting? Yes, sir. Yeah. If the covenant God made with Moses, I'm under the impression that's a distinct covenant from the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. The covenant that God made with Moses is an absolutely different covenant than the covenant that was established with Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. Yeah. The covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Out of all the peoples of the earth, you're going to be my people to show my light to the nations. What the living God looks like. Okay? And the land's going to be yours. Then when Moses came along, the covenant that God made with Moses and the Jewish people at Sinai, that's where he gave them the law. Upon which all Western civilization is built. Okay? The basic parts of that are the Ten Commandments. Okay? You're going to worship Him as God. You're not going to kill each other. You're not going to covet. You're not going to lie. All of these basic things. Got it? Different covenant. It built on the foundation. It doesn't delete. The one that he made with Abraham, it doesn't replace it. It just builds on it. Yeah. 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 Just like there was a covenant he made with Noah. What was the one he made with Noah? That's right. I'm never going to destroy the earth again by water. Some people think every time they see a rainbow, it makes them afraid. Oh, God's going to destroy us by water. No, 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 no. That says, I'm not going to destroy the earth by water. The next time it's going to be by fire. (laughs) We'll need a little water. Okay? Okay. All right. So, in Ezekiel 36, and all the way through, you all, all the way through, as you read the Old Testament, you're going to see repeatedly, I mean multitudes of times, when God says repeatedly, you are my people and the land belongs to you. It's not just in one or two places. I mean, it is all through the Old Testament, repeatedly. Now then, we're in this book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is prophesying about a time to come. He's not just talking about the restoration of when they get back to the land during Nebuchadnezzar's time or Assyrian or any of that, Okay. And and they would be in the land up until Jesus came. And then when Titus came in in 70 A.D., destroyed the temple, and they all got dispersed. And by 130 and all of that, they were all dispersed. One talking about that is talking about sometime in the future. Now, how do we know that? Hmm. Okay, verse 24. Chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, 24. For I'm going to take you from among the nations, plural. We're not talking Babylon here. Got it? We're not talking Assyria. I'm going to take you out of the nations. And I'm going to gather you out of all countries. And I'm going to bring you into your own land. Well, guess what? When the Jews were dispersed after the crucifixion of Jesus and the temple was destroyed and all of that, they literally now are in every nation of the earth. When I lived in Jerusalem... One day I stepped off the bus and I was in the street and I looked around and everywhere I looked, I, I, just, I just started crying. Because everywhere I looked, I saw 
the promise of the covenant, the fulfillment of the covenant. Because there were literally Jews from everywhere imaginable. I was hearing all kinds of languages. I was seeing dark-skinned Jews from Yemen and from Ethiopia. It's amazing. Black Jews. Beautiful. Actually, the Ethiopians are the most beautiful. And they, see, come from Sheba and Solomon. They are royalty. Yeah. And it talks about the tall, smooth-skinned Ethiopians will bring a sacrifice to the Lord. They are gorgeous. They are so sweet. They're very humble. I love the Ethiopians. They're my favorites. Okay. Anyway, well, that was a little side trail, a little rabbit there. Okay. Um, but you'll hear them on the bus one day. I was on the bus and sat down beside a woman, and she had three teenagers with her. Well, she and her, her daughter was born in Israel, so she's a Sabra. That's what Sabra means, somebody who's born in Israel, an Israeli. Okay, so she's a Sabra. But her friends, one of them was from Venezuela and was speaking Espanol. Okay? Another one had come in from Europe. She had immigrated from Europe. So we had a Sephardim and an Ashkenazi Jew. Okay? They're speaking everything. We've got Asian Jews. They're literally in all the nations of the earth and the Holy Spirit is drawing them home. And they may be secular. They may worship other gods because their generations have been in other countries, in other cultures. But then they get this longing, i got to go to Israel. i got to move to Israel. And they move to Israel and they don't even know it was the living God who brought them home in answer to His covenant. It's awesome. We are living in this day. You see this? Alright? So regardless of what the nations have tried to do, it doesn't matter because there is an everlasting covenant that is in effect. It is working. And so in 1948, they had gone through this horrible, horrible holocaust in Europe. Six million of them cremated in the ovens. And the ones that came to form the state of Israel, most of them were secular Jews. They didn't even know the God of Israel because they had grown up under communism, which is godless. But they just had this longing, we've got to go back to our native land there in the Middle East. Didn't even know why they were being drawn there. But we've got to have our own country where we can be safe. Where we can live our lives and be safe. Okay? So here they came. And when they started to form this nation, they were so cut off from the covenant as far as knowledge went, they didn't even know what to name the nation. There was this big discussion of what shall we call it? Finally, Ben-Gurion just said, we're calling it Israel. Well, hello. That's pretty biblical. But see, they didn't even have a, a biblical foundation. But the covenant was still working. Got it? All right. Now then, in 1948, they formed the nation. 
Ezekiel 66 says, Can a nation be born in one day? Yes. <laughs> when God's involved in it. All right. He'd been working that covenant a long time, but in one day it came into effect. That part of the fulfillment of it. All right. And Israel was born on that day, May 14th, 15th. All right. So, now then, he says, Now then, I'm going to take you from among the nations. And this is working now. I'm going to gather you from all the countries. And I'm going to bring you into your own land. And so, everybody say with me, Aliyah. Aliyah. Again? Aliyah. Yes, Aliyah is the process whereby people are coming out of the nations home to Israel. It's the returning home to Israel. Okay, that's Aliyah. So here they're coming now, today. And Christians now are in the land working to bring them home to Israel because some of us have gotten the revelation we're supposed to help in this thing. This is our privilege. This is part of our calling to help them come home to Israel. And as they come, they come poor. And they're, learning, they're having to learn a new language called Hebrew. Most of them don't know Hebrew. They'll speak Bulgarian, or they'll speak Spanish, or they'll speak Japanese. They'll speak all these other things. They have to come, and they have to, they have to learn Hebrew, and they have to learn Israeli ways. They are moving to a foreign country, and so they need help. And so that's what Christians, and a lot of Christian organizations are doing these days, is helping them. And the magazine I passed out to you, Christian Friends of Israel, that's what they've been doing for 25 years. Yeah. So you'll enjoy reading that. any rate, here they come. And God says, now then, when I get you home to the land, I'm going to start a process in you. And this is so cool. Look at this. Verse 25, Ezekiel 36, 25. I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I'm going to cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all of your idols. Well, what in the world are we talking about? Well, if you lived under communism, you wouldn't know anything about God. But when you came home to Israel, they have public readings now of the Torah because there are so many people who are secular, they don't even go to synagogue. So how are they going to hear the word? Like on Purim, which is the Feast of Esther. Remember when Haman tried to kill all the Jews back in the book of Esther? And uh, they got the edict that the Jews could rise up and defeat their enemies and all. Well, there's this great celebration now in Israel on Purim. That's why it's called Purim. And because that means casting the lot. So that's Purim. All right. So Purim is kind of like our Halloween because everybody dresses up. So you'll see grown people walking down Yaffa Street, downtown Jerusalem, all dressed up. Everybody celebrates. It's a big celebration, but they don't know the biblical foundation. It has become just a holiday. Okay? So the rabbis got together and went, we can't, we can't allow this to continue this way. So the people won't come to synagogue who are secular to hear the reading of the word. So we're going to go to them. We'll have public readings. So they advertise it in the newspapers. They advertise it everywhere. Over here at this hotel. Over here at this kibbutz. Over here at this wherever. Come and hear the reading of Esther. And so the nation is beginning to be educated in their biblical history. He's washing them. And Paul elaborated on that. He said it's the washing of the water of the Word. 
And just like the word comes to you and washes you and cleans you up, that's what's happening to them. And so their precious hearts are being shaped to turn back to the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's the first part of the progression. All right. Then he says, when I do this to you, I'm going to give you a new heart. Ooh. A new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit within you. I'm going to take that heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. How many of you have known Jewish people that you think had a heart of stone? Well, if we had been through everything they've been through, we probably would too. And they have a very hard outer shell, but inside it's very, very tender. Very, very tender on the inside. But God says, I'm going to heal all of that. I'm going to take out this hard, this hard heart. I'm going to put in one that's different. And if you have had a heart attack, if you've had a heart attack, what happens with a heart attack is a part of your heart muscle, the heart is a muscle, it dies. And when it dies, it atrophies and it becomes hard like a rock. That's why that portion of your heart doesn't operate anymore. Got it? God said that old heart that had such a major heart attack all these centuries, through all the persecution, mainly by Christians. We aren't talking about that today, but mainly by Christians for centuries. All right? Oh, that old dead, hard, rock heart. I'm going to take that out. And I'm going to put in a heart of flesh that can feel and that can respond. That can respond again. So I'm going to bring them home to the land. I'm going to wash them with the Word. I'm going to put a new heart in them and a new spirit. And then, guess what? This is such an exciting part. I'm going to put my spirit within you. And I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes. And you're going to keep my judgments and do them. Well, now, how does that happen? That's the Holy Spirit. Just like he does with you. Here you were ignorant. You were a pagan. You were out here separated from God. Then he arrested you. Yeah. And he began to work in you. Began just transforming your life. Okay? He brought you out of death into life. And now there's something in you that makes you want to pursue him. Wants you to think God thoughts. Wants you to be right with him. Walk in his covenants. Keep his statutes. It's not because legally, rigidly, Religiously, I have to keep this list. No, 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 no. There's something inside you that is going, Oh, I'm longing for him. I want more of him. I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing about me. I want more of him. I want to be more like him. Holy Spirit. Hello. Yay. He's doing the same thing in the Jewish people. Isn't this wonderful? Well, guess what else? Who was it that revealed?
Jesus to you? Was it just because you were so smart that one day you said, Ta-da! I have been a pagan, but now I am going to be a follower of Jesus. No. We, are, we would still be dead in our trespasses and sins if it were left up to us. But it's the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus. That's His great joy. That's, that's what He does. Jesus came... His whole joy was to reveal the Father. So the Father didn't remain a mystery. This God up in heaven somewhere. God of the universe. And nobody knew what that was or who he was, if it was a he or a she or what, you know. What kind of character did this individual have? That's why the God of the Bible is not Allah. He's not some whimsical mad God. Jesus came to reveal the living God. So Jesus said, you look at me, you've seen the Father. Whenever you see what I do, you've seen what He does. When you, say, when you hear what I say, you are hearing what He is saying. When you see me acting, interacting with people, you see His heart being revealed for you. Okay? Jesus came to reveal the Father. Guess what? The Holy Spirit came to reveal Jesus! So anything you know about Jesus that doesn't just come through your mind but is a real revelation, it came by the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Yes, question? With people who believe in Allah, I know we're supposed to represent God and His love. So when we speak love to them, if we were to speak God loves you. What does that do to them? Like, do they get that or they're like, no, that's impossible? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We have to differentiate with them who we're talking about. We're not talking about Allah loves you. And that's kind of foreign to them anyway because he's not known as a God of love. Okay? No, you, you need to say, you know what? The God of the Bible who revealed himself through his son Jesus, he loves you. people who believe in Allah, let us pray for them or prophesy to them without having any biblical thing because they see the anointing. And so I can't tell you how many Muslims have chased us out of a room and said, hey, can you just do what you did to that guy in there to me, which was to prophesy or to pray. And so sometimes even if they don't understand anything because they see the anointing on you, they will ask you and, and you can pray for them or prophesy to them. So I don't even try to win them. I just pray for them or prophesy to them and let God do the rest of it. Because it has to be the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus to them. They have to see something different. Yes, sir. Um, I have a question about the distinction between the God in the Bible and Allah because Christian Arabic people, they still pray to Allah. So could you, um, could you please elaborate on that for it doesn't seem to make sense. And also in the Quran, he tends to address himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So um, could you please explain what the distinction is because Allah comes from the Semitic root El or Il, which is where we get Elohim or God in Hebrew. So please... Explain that. In, in Arabic, Allah means God. That is the word for God, Allah. But what we have to understand, gosh, this goes so far back. So just bear with me a minute. Excellent question. This is a very relevant question today, okay? 
all the way back to Nimrod. And Nimrod was a great-grandson of Noah. Everybody was righteous until Nimrod came along, got twisted off, and went left, okay? All right, after Nimrod, he set up all of the occult, all of the idol worship, all the baby sacrifice, all of this stuff, again, after the world had been purged of all this, okay? And the worship that came through him was Baal worship. Here's a phrase, Baal has a thousand faces, Now, the way that you know if it's Baal or not are by the characteristics of Baal, not by the name of whatever particular god it is in whatever generation, but it's what does he do? What does he look like? He is a god of death. He is not a god of life. He is not a god of love. He is a god of sacrifice, human sacrifice. All right? The god of the Bible is different from that God. That God was developed through Nimrod and proliferated down through the nations and that's why God ran interference with Abraham and said, I am bringing out through you a nation of people that are going to be separate from all the other nations of the world because I need a people that are going to be a light to the rest of the peoples about the truth of who is God. You get it? Who will show forth the living God. And in that plan, then God said, I am going to send my son to show you, to demonstrate to you what I'm like. Okay? I'm not just going to sit in heaven and say, worship me. I'm going to come. I'm going to send my son to demonstrate to you who I am. This totally separates the living God and his son Jesus from Allah that comes that stems from Nimrod and the nations that came out of all of that perversion. Okay? Now then, the Quran takes see the devil is in so insidious the devil only deals in half truths there is there is a little bit of truth in it that he hooks you with and then he twists it into the full lie okay so the quran then which came through muhammad in 7th century 700s whatever The Muslim, they, they were not Muslims until then. The Arabic peoples had been so perverted by all of these foreign gods that they had lost their identity as a son of Abraham who knew the living God. You get it? And so they began following all of these other people, all these other gods but saying that they were sons of Abraham, because indeed they are. But by the time Mohammed came along, he took that, and he said, yes, we are the sons of Abraham, and God made the covenant with Ishmael. Well, excuse me, Mohammed, you didn't show up until 700. This has been written for 3,500 years. And in this, 
the, the covenant was made with Isaac. And Ishmael, in your body, you bear the sign of the covenant God made with Ishmael, with uh, Isaac. Are you following me? So, all of the Quran, it may have a few truths here and there. They are perversions of the real thing. They are perversions of the real thing. And so they teach, Muhammad taught, that the covenant was made with Ishmael and that the Jews are pigs. So that is propagated until this day. And if you, and if you hear that there are moderate Muslims and then there are the jihadist Muslims and all that, okay, here's the reason. Because in the first half of Muhammad's life, Muhammad was more peaceful. So the first part of the Quran is more of a peaceful word. The second half of the Quran is violent. And it's you kill your enemy. You, what you do with your enemy is you agree with your enemy until you become stronger than your enemy. And then you overtake your enemy. If your enemy will not submit... You warn your enemy if he does not submit and convert to Islam, then you either make him your slave or you kill him. So in the Middle East right now, that's exactly what is happening. That is exactly the mindset. It has never changed. It has never changed. So what do the jihadists do? They make us their friends. They make Israel... They make treaties with Israel until they become stronger than or until they have an advantage. And then according to the Quran, and this is a virtue. This is a virtue according to the Quran. You lie to your enemy. You tell your enemy what your enemy wants to hear, so they lie to us all the time. Their news media, they will say something in English to us but when they say it in Arabic, it's a totally different story. Totally different story. Alright? Because it is a virtue, according to the Quran, to lie to your enemy. And you do this until you become stronger than your enemy. And then you either make your enemy your servant or you kill them. So that's exactly what is going on today in the Middle East. That's why they deal with us the way they deal with us. That's why they have all throughout America now. All throughout America. We've got Islam popping up everywhere. Mosques everywhere. But what is going on is this moderate thing is being taught, particularly through the Muslim Brotherhood. But they are the godfather of the jihadists. But they have this public persona. We are just a nice group of people. We're here just to educate. We're here just to finance, uh, you know, different things, yada, yada. You do it until you become stronger. She, she's a male, male carrier.
I'm a mail carrier, and I used to deliver mail in this area, and there's a lot of Muslims in this area. And I noticed that, what is she saying? I noticed that when I was delivering the mail, how they are. They were, like, complaining and saying they want peace and all this other stuff. But then on the other hand, you could see that they want power and they want control. You could see it. You know, like, they put a, they took a, over a house over here uh, across the street, and they made it into a mosque where they take their shoes off and everything. They have all their shoes off, off on the steps before they go in. You know, they've took they've taken over this the house over there. All of a sudden, one time the 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 house was empty and abandoned. And the next thing I know, they were all in there, and I was like, "Wow, how did that happen?" You know, and that was before I was you know a say before I was a Christian and I was wondering how did they do that you know because uh, you know a year ago that house was abandoned it was empty and then all of a sudden the next summer they were all in there so I see that what she's saying one of their uh, one of Islam's ploys the way they do this is through they outpopulate a nation they have outpopulated already the nations of Europe a nation, a nation has to have a birth rate of 2.2 per, you have to replicate yourself 2.2 times or you will die out. All right? The nations of Europe, some of them are already below that. Some of them are right on the borderline. Islam, though, they don't have 2.2. They'll have 10 or 15. So they are, they are overwhelming the nations just by, over, uh, just by multiple birth rates. Okay, so they go into a nation, and that's the way that within two generations, they are the ones that are voting. They are the ones that are controlling everything because just by sheer numbers they take over. Okay, that is their, their quiet way, of of jihad. It's their quiet method of jihad. All right. Yes. What time is it right now? How are we doing? Pardon me? It's what? It's 12.45? We're supposed to be finished by 1.30. Okay, very good. Because I want to, there's something now that I really want to get into, and we could talk about this forever, but I want to, uh, yes, Gary. Okay, okay, okay. I want to move into something right now that may answer some more questions along these lines. All right? But that really brings it into biblical perspective for today, what we've got to understand for today. All right? In Revelation 17, it's talking about the Antichrist. One of the identifying characteristics of the beast who will be the Antichrist and the Antichrist system. It says twice in, in Revelation 17. One of his identifying characteristics is that he was, that he was not, and that he is. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, we've not been able to understand that until now, this time period that we're living in. Consider, I'll come back to that, okay? Just hold that thought. 
In Muslim eschatology, or the study of last days according to the Muslims, here is what they say. That chaos has to be created. Chaos must be fomented among the nations. Because out of that chaos then will arise a military conquering hero who will conquer all the infidels, who will conquer all of Islam, who doesn't believe the way that he believes, unite them and become a one world government. Okay? They believe that back in um, 5th century or something, another, or I can't remember, hundreds of years ago, it would have been later than 5th century, maybe 13th. At any rate, there was this boy. He was uh, being groomed to be an imam. All right? And he, he disappeared. He's five years old. He disappeared. Well, he's the 12th imam, probably from Mohammed. Okay? So he's the 12th imam, and at some time in the future, he will appear. He will appear, and this will be the military conquering hero, the twelfth Imam or the Mahdi, M A H D I, the D I, the Mahdi. All right, all right. Then following him, coming alongside of him is Jesus, Isa, Jesus. Now then, this Jesus, according to the Quran. They say, well, this is the Jesus that was here before. But this Jesus will give obeisance. He will follow, bow to the twelfth imam. He will be his prophet. He will, he will move in signs and wonders and miracles, great miracles. He will call down fire from heaven. He will be able to do all of these miraculous things. And whoever does not follow the twelfth imam, then this Jesus will have them beheaded. Oh, but there's another one coming after him. There's another dude who's going to show up saying, I am Jesus. Don't follow him. Now this is what the Quran teaches as eschatology. This is Muslim last day eschatology there is nothing going on on this planet that ever has or ever will that is not recorded Daniel 2500 years ago prophesied about this very thing John the beloved in first century prophesied about this very thing the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation speak directly to what's going on right now we have always thought that the Antichrist was going to arise out of the European system excuse me is any of this book about the Europeans who is this book written about it's about the problems it's a family problem between all of the cousins, the sons of Abraham. It's about the Jews and all of the Arab cousins. And how that involves the rest of the nations. Alright, so, 
in Revelation and in Daniel, they both talk about this beast that's going to arise. And it's going to be so powerful, it's going to crush all the nations. It's going to cover the entire earth. It's going to break the earth into pieces, probably zones. Whoever does not bow to it will be, according to Revelation, beheaded. Now, who beheads? Do Americans behead? Do Europeans behead anymore? I mean, they did in Marie Antoinette's day, but no, the guillotine is not used. No. Who beheads? Islam beheads. And you say, well, why are you picking on Islam? I would not have any legs to stand on except all of the other evidence of what's going on in the nations and with Israel, Israel, which is the time clock, everything's culminating. It's all coming together right now. Simultaneously, Islam is arising with this eschatology that is the same thing as the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. And we know that the devil takes a truth and he twists it. So yes, there is a conquering military leader going to arise. Revelation prophesied it. Daniel prophesied it. Islam prophesied it. But who those players are are different. This guy is not going to be righteous. He's going to be the Antichrist. And he is going to be followed by a prophet. But his name is not Jesus. He is the false prophet of the book of Revelation. And he comes doing exactly what Islam says he's going to do. Signs, wonders, and miracles. And whoever doesn't follow this Antichrist person, because he is anti-Messiah, okay? Anti-Yeshua. Anti-Jewish, anti-Jesus, okay? Whoever doesn't follow him will be beheaded. But then, the real Jesus comes. Now then, what we've got to know, what you've got to know, what you have got to be so convinced of by experience with God, is that when some guy shows up, just shows up, emerges from the masses, and says, I'm Jesus, even if they should do something as bizarre in our thinking as take a piece of the Shroud of Turin and clone... Jesus, and there is a clone, because they clone, they're cloning everything, you all, come on. If, they, if this guy shows up and says, I'm Jesus, watch, I'm going to do these miracles. And he does them? That's not what the scripture says, how he's coming. He's not just going to come up from the masses. He's not just going to one day be in the newspapers, I am Jesus and I'm here and I'm supporting the the twelfth imam, the mahdi, and if y'all don't follow me, I'm going to behead you. That's not the character of Jesus to begin with. But if you don't know him, you might think that's the character. You will be dazzled by the miracles. You will be dazzled by the power. When he calls down fire from heaven, if you don't know the real one, you're going to go, Oh my God! And you're going to start bowing and bending. That's not how he's coming. That is not how he, the real Jesus, is coming. 
I'll tell you, your eternal salvation is at stake here. If in the moment you are bedazzled and you follow this dude, you can kiss eternity goodbye. But if you will hold out to follow the real guy, he's going to show up. And when he comes, he's coming with power and glory. He's coming in the clouds. The Bible says he's coming the way he went. The way he left is the way he's coming. But he's not coming alone. And we're going to talk about that in another hour. Oh, yeah. So nobody leave, because we're going to talk about that in another hour. All right. Now, is there anything we need to finalize here, wrap up, Pastor Gary? Give us some direction. Have you all had fun? Has this been fun? Okay, good. Um, Before we go on, we have um, my friend Kathy is here. And um, she's just going to do a dance, and then um, that's, that's going to portray some of what we've been speaking about today. Because she has a real heart for Israel.
Amen. And for those of you who don't know, Yeshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus, and it means salvation. So Jewish people usually who, who believe in Jesus will usually use the word Yeshua because that was his original Hebrew name. So what we want to do now before we go on is to take an offering. So if the ushers can come and help me. So you can go to a conference like this anywhere and pay a hundred dollars. But thank God that we have speakers who are willing to travel and come and ask for nothing. Just live on the blessings of God. They just come trusting God. Do you know that um, Sister Deborah will tell you, you call speakers of this caliber, and you know what they want to know? How much will you pay me? And if you don't meet my fee, I'm not coming. We've had that before. The guys you see on TV want up to $25,000 to come. Right? Is that true or not? We were doing a conference with a lady in England, and we called her to find out what she needed. She said, I'll come for no less than $24,000 plus my airplane ticket. And I said, goodbye. (laughs) Amen. So it's a rare thing to have people to come and they, they didn't even ask, how much you're going to pay me? They just heard the voice of God and said, we'll be there. Because they have a heart for you. They're here for no other reason than that they love you. So we want to be able to really bless them to pay their expenses. And even beyond that, because believe it or not, money doesn't just fall from heaven on them. But they have bills to pay too. They got to pay their rent. They got to put gas in their car. So it's not like they just open their wallet every day and it's there. That might happen once on occasion, right? Just supernaturally. But you know why God doesn't do it that way? Because He entrusts the body of Christ to provide for those who pour into us. So. So I'm going to ask you really, really to, to ask God to really give today. We, we didn't charge anything, but, but we believe that you have in your pockets is everything that God would desire to give to them. So again, if you're writing a check, you can make it to Sanctuary Fellowship. And the word million is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N. Boy, they laugh at that every time. They forgot that I said it a hundred times before. And do you know it's true what you said about Jews being from every nation? I even went to the Chinese restaurant around the block, and I went in and said, Do you have, are there, do you have Chinese Jews? Because I was wondering. The guy went in the back. He came out a few minutes later and said, We have tomato juice and orange juice, but no Chinese juice. Wait, you're going to top me. Wait, we got someone who could top that right here. He put me to the spot. No. 
that's not fair. I told you to tell them. No, I got an email yesterday. It was kind of funny, but anyway. Did you know that the sailors that threw Osama bin Laden were Hispanic? And they prayed to Allah three times? Mm-hmm. A la una, a la dos, y a la tres. Amen. What that had to do with the offering, I have no idea, but I'm very easily distracted, though. So we're going to focus back on the offering. And where's Pastor Bob? I want Pastor Bob to come and pray over this offering. Because many, many times I speak to Pastor Bob. In the name of Jesus, we cast that out. See, that's what jealousy does to people. You're going to have to bring him back. I lost him. You've got to bring him back now. Brother, you have that anointing. I don't. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Isn't this good? This is, this is awesome. I want to tell you something. Uh, God does all things well. And you're here for a divine reason, a strategy that only God knows the outcome to. And you got to stick around to see how it's going to turn out. Amen? And I can promise you that if you will concentrate on what's being said, God's going to change your life so that you will never be the same when you walk out that front door. And God's saying this is an uncommon day in your life. It is a day that things that have been on hold are going to be released. There's coming a breakthrough and it's only going to come when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And part of submitting to that Lordship is that we give Him all that we are, all that we have. And you know what? When we give our all, He fills it back up. When we release that which is in our hand, He fills it back up. That's the way we live. When we're down to zero, we go get whatever little bit we got and we give it away. Because we put God to the test and every time without fail, He has come through, He has come through, He has come through. When there's none of you, there's still all of Him. And God has a great portion. And it's been kept back for whatever season you're in, for whatever need you have, wherever you are. That portion is there. It's guaranteed. Because it was written with the blood of Jesus. The Word of God says, Give! And it will be given unto you. Press down, shaking together. Let's put some more in here. 
and running over. This is the season of abundance. And the only way you can participate in the abundance is sow seed continually. Continually. I don't care if you have a dollar, if you have 50 cents, if you have $500, if you will continually release that seed, more is going to come back into your household. And you will always be with and never without. Because you put your trust not in the FDIC. But in J-E-S-U-S. Amen. Father, I just decree and declare a blessing over your children today. As by faith they release their seed... Lord, I decree and declare notable miracles today. I decree and declare that some of them are go home, going home today and there's going to be something they've been waiting for. There's going to come a healing. There's going to come a change in their children. And some of them will come back tomorrow morning in the morning service and they will say, Guess what happened? Because I stepped out in faith, God honored that faith. You know what we say? Movement is faith. And if you move but just a small bit, God will see it. Man may not see it, but God will see it. Because you see, He looks at the heart. Amen? Father, I, I, I remove fear from you right now. And I release faith to everyone in this house. The Lord says, test me. Prove me this day. And I will prove myself to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's give to the Lord. Amen. Can we all stand to our feet as we give? Amen. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? so good to be in the presence of God that, you know, I can attest to what um, to what John said when he says he who testifies to these things says surely I am coming quickly and then he says amen, even so come Lord Jesus a couple months ago the Lord put this song in my spirit, I was ironing my clothes getting my kids ready for an event and the Holy Spirit whispered this this beautiful tune and it was to return Lord, return and for the world that means judgment but for us that's good news, amen that's good news to know that we can cry out for the Lord to return. Amen. I want to be faithful to preach this gospel until He does. Amen.
You may be seated for just a second, and Sandy's going to give us instruction.